electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now on Fast, pain on the street. The S&P and NASDAQ finishing their worst week since December as another read on inflation comes in hotter than expected. Are stocks in danger of heading back to their October lows? We'll debate. Plus, a rotten week for Apple. The tech giant dropping over 4%, falling below a key technical level. We'll ask the chart master if he can tell us to the penny where Apple is headed from here. And then later, our chart of the week. That's week with an A. It's a name last month we enjoyed. Uh, the halo. It's a name that enjoyed the halo from the reopening trade last month. But it's now suffering as geopolitics takes center stage. I'm Sarah Eisen, in for Melissa Lee tonight. This is Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site. On the desk tonight, Mike Coe, Jeff Mills, and Guy Adami. And we are going to start with a rough end to a rough week. The NASDAQ leading the losses with a drop of over 1.6%. The tech-heavy index turning back negative for the month of February. S&P now down in five of the last six trading sessions and for the last three weeks in a row. The Dow finished down 336 points today, off the lows, but notching its fourth straight weekly loss. It's closed the lowest of the year so far. The move's coming after yet another hot inflation report. The Fed's preferred measure, the PCE, showing prices rose more than expected in January. Another reason the Fed could keep its aggressive pace of rate hikes uncurbed. So what should today's action tell you? Guy, higher for longer. That's been the trade. Yeah, and that's going to continue to be the trade. First of all, Sarah, best of luck with your new show. Any show with you you on it is must watch, number one. (laughs) Number two, listen, Jeff Mills has talked about this. I'm sure Coco Beware has on options action as well. I think the market, at least for the week at least, started to figure out the Fed's not messing around. And these numbers today that we saw basically galvanized that. And it makes sense that the market went lower. You can take some solace, I guess, that we sort of bounced off the 200-day moving average today. But the market is finally lining up to what the fundamentals suggest it should be doing. Bounced off the 200-day moving average, Mike. And also, the 10-year did not break 4%, which a lot of people thought was important, even though we did see yield surge this entire week across the curve. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, of course, because as far as the 10-year is concerned, in some ways, if you saw a bit of a bounce there and that was consistent with economic growth, that's not the worst thing in the world, right? So when you start seeing the two-year go up, and the four-year, not so much, uh, the 10-year, not so much, that is a problem because, of course, that's telling us that we have a conflation of two really unhappy circumstances. One is short-term inflation, and the other is low or no long-term growth. That's not really a very healthy recipe. You know, one of the things I find very interesting in all of this is that, of course, we want to think about the multiple that the market should be trading at. When we start seeing higher rates, we would expect that multiple to come in a couple, uh, couple turns anyway. But you add to that that you've got higher capital costs. We see a lot of this essentially working its way through the system. I, you know, I think you could start seeing meaningful S&P earnings decline. And you put those two things together, lowering the E and lowering the PE, it's not a good recipe. As you, so as you, you see forward. a lot more downside. I see potentially a lot more downside here. Yeah. Jeff, do you agree? 
Yeah, I do. It's something we've been talking about for a long time. And the question is, are we going to test the lows? I, you know, I sort of go back and forth there. But what, what I do hold pretty high conviction on is that we're not going to go back to those old highs that we saw in 2021 anytime soon. So I think we're sort of stuck in neutral for a while. And I agree with exactly what Mike just said. You know, we've been in this condition for most of the year where you had the losers from last year really outperforming and you're starting to see that unwind. Uh, S&P high beta is now down 10 percent from the recent highs. Uh, S&P low beta is only down three and a half percent. So you're starting to see that market complexion under the surface revert back to what we saw last year at the individual stock level. We're seeing it, too. Look at a name like Merck. You know, year to date, it's lagging. But that relative performance is starting to hook higher. I think that's what the market's going to look like going forward, more so than what we saw, say, the first two months of the year. Um, the last thing I'll say, just relative to Mike's comments, is you know, we were also in this position where credit spreads were actually tightening as earnings expectations continued to come down. Hmm. That's extremely unusual and, in my opinion, not necessarily sustainable. So I do think reality is starting to set in. I do think the idea that higher interest rates probably mean lower PEs, and that's really what was driving the market all year, PE expansion. There is finally some competition for stocks. I think there's $1.8 trillion now in various money market funds. I think that's a historic high. So money is flowing out of the market into these other assets. I don't think that that's temporary. And I think that leaves us in the place where we are today. 12-month yield is above 5%. I, sh- I should have noted. I mean, really, it's a short-term move. Guy, the, the, the surprise, what nobody expected this year was for the economy to accelerate in the month of January. The surprise is that inflation is now accelerating and has reversed and moved higher. If you look at the core PCE or the PCE, it, w- it was on this nice sort of downtrend over the past few months. So how, how does that readjust how you should think about the market and earnings for the rest yeah. of the year. Well, look, if you watch this show, I don't think it's that surprising that inflation is rearing its ugly head once again. And, and listen, I'll, I think, you know, Sarah, I am no fan of the Federal Reserve at all. But I will tell you that their messaging, at least for the last six to nine months, I think has been outstanding. Now, the market's chosen not to listen, but they're trying to get ahead of this thing. And the fact that inflation is reaccelerating makes a lot of sense. You know, that genie is very difficult to put back in the bottle. So to both Jeff and Mike's points, what are you willing to pay for a rising interest rate environment with earnings going lower in an economy, yeah, that's doing okay, but it's absolutely by almost by definition is going to start to slow down. And, you know, I don't think there's a Fed put in the form of the S&P. Well, I'm not going to play the go to cash game because that's not what we do here. And that's got a lot of people in a lot of trouble. But what I will say is, you got to look at what you own and understand some of these stocks have had tremendous bounces. Microsoft went from 233 post earnings up to 275. We talked about it in earnest. It was absolutely time to pull the ripcord on that back below 250. I think Facebook gave you a gift post earnings at 185. Now it's in the low 170s. And the moving Apple here up to the mid 150s trending back again. You know, these stocks all bounce for no apparent reason that I can ascertain. They were all gifts. You know, I will tell you, Liz Young said this a year and a half ago. We've said it a number of times. The market changed from that buy the tip, buy the dip mentality to sell rallies. And that still holds true now. You know, one of the things I think that you said, go to cash. How about stay in cash? You know, every single time for the last 10 plus years when there was a lot of cash on the sidelines, the assumption was that when the market pulled back, that cash would be deployed, except that, of course, that cash wasn't yielding anything. In real terms, you were losing your money. Now that's not the case. Mm-hmm. People do not have an incentive to take money out of five, you know, 5% money that you're getting right now to go into this environment in equity. So 
it's not really a question what of about whether bonds, people. If you expect the economy to weaken. Well, so that's that's an interesting point, right? So I think that there are some opportunities in the fixed income market, probably for the first time in in quite a while. But uh, it's in a spectacular environment, not necessarily uh, as Jeff was just pointing out. If you know, especially with the more distressed side. If credit spreads are narrow in an environment where you're expecting earnings to decline, that you might actually expect to see some expansion there. So that wouldn't necessarily be the, the place I'd be playing. But I do think that people who are in cash probably aren't going to be deploying it here, and they have good reason not to. No, it, it's proving to be another bear market rally, like we had eight or nine of them last year. Our next guest warns economic weakness could drive stocks back to the October lows. Joe Lavornia, the former chief economist for the National Economic Council. He's now chief economist at SMBC Nico Securities America, joins us. Joe, it's good to see you. You know, you, you've been Thank in you. the Thank camp. You. You've, you've been expecting recession. The January mm-hmm. data has shown anything but. We had a, uh, a GDP recession or an inflationary uh, recession early last year. And my guess is we'll see a more traditional recession, Sarah, this year based on the yield curve, the index of leading indicators, the senior loan officer survey. Uh, and the fact the Fed has to get inflation back to 2%, and as you guys laid out quite nicely, the fact that it's not coming down as quickly as it's supposed to means that you'll have to have a recession to get that core rate lower, because you always get core rate lower when you have recessions. It doesn't happen on its own. So the January data look good. Uh, it does look like it's a weather effect. I'll give you a for instance. If you look at the production of natural gas and, you, and, and uh, electric output, it fell 10% last month. That's the biggest drop with data going all the way back to 1939. So to me, this is a temporary uh, reprieve on the data. Yeah, a lot of people are saying January looks seasonal, but I don't know if the Fed is going to look at it that way, Joe. The Fed, the Fed has to get mm-hmm. ahead of inflation yes. and, and has well, been leaning into the strong data. The Fed, I, I love Guy's comments that he's no fan of the Fed. The Fed waited way too long to raise interest rates, way too long. Uh, and then Jay Powell wants to be reappointed and he got his inflation fighting stripes. And now they've gone way too hard the other way. But as you know, Sarah, inflation is a lagging indicator. Uh, monetary policy itself works with lags. They'll get ultimately what they want, which is lower inflation. But it's going to mean a recession, though. Guy? Yeah, Joe, what's 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 their put? You know, we had a conversation with Richard Fisher. I think the put is in the form of the credit markets. I don't want to say seizing up, but sort of showing some signs because it's clearly not the equity market anymore. You know, the credit market for sure, because the credit market always causes systemic issues. And you're referring basically to the financial market breaking. My guess is it'll be something more banal. It'll be the uh, the the labor market, the labor market shedding a couple hundred thousand jobs a month for a few months in a row with unemployment now quickly moving up into the mid to high fours. My guess is the Fed reaction function will change. Jay Powell will go uh, from uber uh, hawkish to being a dove very quickly. But of course, if the credit markets break and there are systemic issues at the same time, that would only reinforce easing and the Fed pivot. By the way, I still believe in the Fed pivot and I still expect the Fed to cut rates this year. Jeff, did you have something? Hey, Joe, it's Jeff Mills. Um, Just a quick question relative to interest rates. You know, I know that your view later in the year is for the Fed to probably start cutting because of a recession. Can you just put that into perspective for people? I think we've we've all been so trained over the past 10 years to think of that first rate cut as being a good thing for the markets when historically maybe that's not the case. That's right, Jeff. If you have a soft landing, if if there have been six times where the Fed has cut and there's been a soft landing and the equity market's up massively and three, six, nine, 12-month periods by a lot, like 20, 25%. However, if the Fed's cutting, 
and there's a recession, then those initial rate cuts are typically are quite negative for equities. Historically, the timing from the last hike to the first ease is about three months. Over the last five cycles, it's more it's elongated out to maybe like 11 or 12 months. But this Fed has been so aggressive, Jeff, and that yield curve I keep looking at every day getting more and more inverted and banks tightening standards. These are all classic cyclical signs that the Fed has overdone it. And yet because of the point Sarah made in trying to get that inflation lower, the Fed's now stuck. They can't give you any nuance on the economy. They're going to get this economy lower and that's going to be bad for equities. It's going to be bad for credit. Really quickly, Joe, even the market has priced out the cut, the cutting notion. Almost, Sarah, almost, almost. They got one <laughs> so, little cut in December. You think there's going to be a cut because inflation comes down all the way to 2% no, or because I think the economy is going to be hurting so badly? The economy is going to be hurting so badly. For example, you could lose upwards of about 800,000 construction jobs, just construction alone, if you match what the labor market showing on construction versus the inflation-adjusted construction data. All right. Putting yourself out there, Joe. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Won't be the first time, Sarah. No, no, we know. Uh, <laughs> Joe Lavornia, let's trade this, Mike. Yeah, first I mean, to you. you know, I, I, I will say, look, the, one of the things I think that people really fail to grasp in a situation like this, if you look back historically at how much, say, S&P earnings can fall when things go the wrong way, we have rising capital costs. We had consecutive years right after uh, December of 2007 where we had 15, 16 percent year-on-year earnings declines for the entire S&P. And then again the following year, it was not until about 33 months after December of 2007 that we even got back to earnings where they previously had been. You know, this is just not an environment that sets up very well. And, you know, he was talking about construction jobs. We have, what, nine-month supply now, I think, of new home inventory. These types of things are necessarily going to take time to percolate through, just like inflation has taken time to percolate through. Uh, and, you know, you end up in these kinds of waves, and I think that's what we're in, and I just don't think it's over yet. Guy, you know, I'm, I'm kind of bummed that Tim Seymour wasn't here because last time I was on the show, it was like a, a month or two ago, he was giving me a lot of grief for saying, hey, the dollar could still rally this year. Everybody's on the one-way train, dollar weaker. Guess what? We're at a near two-month high on the back of all this Fed hawkishness talk. What have I, what have I told you for years, Sarah <laughs> you Eisen? You told me to quit and go trade extraordinarily for us, yes. <laughs> No, I didn't trade you to I tell you to quit. I said if you weren't an extraordinary journalist, you should be trading currencies at J. Aaron, and you would be great at that as well. And you're <laughs> right. The dollar probably goes high here. But if, if Joe Lavornia is right, and the Fed cuts in the back half of this year, I will tell you something, that won't be a very good environment because inflation's still going to be a problem. And you know what's going to work? Gold's going to work. And I know you're going to be like, take your tinfoil hat off, guy, and I will later. But the gold market is poised here. Central banks have been buying it in record amounts. And if you catch a whiff that they're going to pivot, gold's going to go a lot higher. All right. No tin hat. I think, I, think that's a, I think that's a legit view. Guy, thank you. When we come back, we've got a chart of the week for you. That is week with an A. But are these moves so bad they're good? Stick around to find out. But first, the chart master is here with an update on his Apple call. That stock breaking through a key level today. How much lower could it go? Much more Fast Money in two minutes. They see a window of opportunity for equity markets to rebound. Let's go to work.
countdown to the opening bell. Trading starts right now. Where do you want to be in a still cautious and uncertain environment? You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Fang stocks getting bitten today. Apple dropping almost 2%, selling off with the rest of tech. The stock is now trading below its 200-day moving average. Amazon also down, falling nearly 2.5% today. That stock also dropping below a key technical level. It's now trading half a percent under its 50-day moving average. So will these tech titans keep going lower? Let's bring in the chart master, Carter Worth, to find out. Carter. Well, so what we know about Apple, of course, is that it bottomed after the market, right? The S&P low is mid-October, and Apple is lagging, underperforming, and then bottoms in the first day of January. Now, its rally off the low was quite a bit more robust than the rally of the S&P, and yet all it was is a ricochet. I think Apple is not something to be in right now, and frankly, it doesn't have a lot of opportunity to the downside. Sometimes an asset is fair price. I would call this a pair of twos. Don't be long, don't be short. Just look for something else that's more timely, more interesting, more dangerous, or more exciting. This is a dull duck. Is Amazon that, any of those more things? More dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, more dangerous, right? So Amazon, just consider this. I mean, how many stocks are basically at or very near their COVID lows? Not, Not many. too many. And that's right. The S&P is up 80% off its COVID low. And this stock is very close to its COVID. I mean, one could say, well, what about all the things like Peloton? Well, those are small companies. There are no very large companies that have had this kind of trouble. Um, still expensive. I'm sure Mike uh, can speak to that or anyone else. But um, this is worse. Amazon's more worrisome than Apple. Is it fundamentally the case for, for lower Amazon price to you? Yeah. I mean, look, first of all, we go back over the course of the last couple of years, you know, we had an epic, basically, opportunity for retail, and yet Amazon didn't really participate in that. And some of the news out of the businesses where they have secular growth stories, in theory, also haven't been doing that great. And that just doesn't seem like a great recipe. When you take a look at a name like Apple, it would be 
a better place to be when you think about it this way. It's not a long duration, you know, betting on a long term future kind of a name. The valuation isn't huge uh, relative to the market. But I think people need to remember that when there was a view that this wasn't going to really grow, and right now EPS isn't really growing. I think that's an important thing to remember here. Uh, this thing has not really traded at a great at a great multiple either. I mean, this thing traded down to 10 times earnings once upon a time. So, uh, you know, to me, I don't think there's a whole lot of harm in Apple. I mean, it, it continues to generate massive free cash flow. But the upside isn't there anymore this either. This is why I like talking to you guys. You're very, I mean, all the sell side analysts love both of these stocks. Yes, they do. Uh, not so much here on the desk, Jeff. What about you? Apple, Amazon, neither? Yeah, I feel like Apple's been the stock that's been the bear market barometer for the better part of 12 months. You know, it, 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 it's levitating, and I think that that means there's probably more to go for the overall market. And I think everybody got really excited that Apple recovered. Carter said it more so than the broad market. But at the same time, if you look at the chart, not that much has really changed. It continues to make lower highs. It's now just back below that 200-day moving average. And Mike said it, you know, the PEs 23 and a half times earnings not necessarily growing at a pace that will support that multiple. And I worry that earnings deteriorate even more as the consumer starts to get hurt at the at the latter half of this year. So um, I would look to 140 as the next test. That's that rising 50-day moving average. Um, but I think there could be more downside even below that. You guys are bearish, like on everything. Um, Carter, Chartmaster, we'll see you in the next half hour for Option Action. Thank you. And next up on Fast Money, we'll unveil our chart of the week. This trade started off the year rocking, but it's come back down to earth in a big way since Monday. What are the traders doing with it now? You're watching Fast Money live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square, New York. We're back after a quick break. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time now for our chart of the week. I know that's not a typo. KWeb having a weak week. The Chinese Internet ETF dropping more than 7% since Tuesday, worst week since October. Among the laggards in there, JD.com, Alibaba, all down double digits. Let's trade it. Jeff, you've brought along a chart for us. Yeah, I have a chart for the chart of the week here. Um, you know, I think a part of KWeb is that it just got caught up in this risk on rally from October. But you mentioned the dollar earlier, Sarah, and I think that that is a big part of it. So whether it's just flight to safety because of geopolitical concerns or economic growth or the Fed, you know, I think there's a reasonable case to be made that the dollar remains firm here. And if you look at this chart, you can see a steadily mm. negative correlation between KWeb and the dollar over the past 10 years. Um, there are lots of reasons for that. We won't get into it now. But, you know, if you believe the dollar remains firm, that could be a continued headwind for not only China, not only K-Web, but emerging markets as a whole. And you're starting to see that, That's right? It. Companies with yeah. high China exposure, whether it's Western Digital or Qualcomm, they've all lagged over the past couple of weeks. So we'll see if that trend continues. But I think that that's worth flagging here. That, an interesting one I had not seen before. Guy, what, speaking of Chinese Internet stocks, what's your take on Alibaba here? Alibaba. They say nobody rings a bell at the top, but Ryan Cohen was Quasimodo on January 17th because that stock was 118. Look at it now. And we actually said it then. There'll be an opportunity to buy it, Sarah. It ain't here. All right. We're going to go straight to final trade here. Let's go around the horn. Guy, start with you. Listen, Karen Feinerman's birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, K-Fine. PSX, Paul Sam X-Ray. Jeff. Yeah, I'd be a seller of that K-Web here. You know, I think the dollar remains firm. I think it breaks below the 200-day and continues lower. 
Mike. You know, K-Web has obviously been a really brutal place. JD actually is a name that's going to be reporting earnings and looks incredibly cheap. I actually was thinking about buying calls in the S&P for a bounce off of the weakness we saw today. Mm. But I'm actually instead buying a little bit of JD, hoping for a little bit of a move. I don't think it's done in the long term, but you might get a pop out of it next week. All right, that does it for Fast Money this week. Options Action, up next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.